The Start On Demand. On Demand. With things changing minute to minute thanks to COVID-19, we're going to speak with the Louis Riel School Division on a change they're making to students who take the bus to school. We'll also speak to the Manitoba Trucking Association on what they are hoping to see as far as changes are concerned. We'll speak to downtown Winnipeg Biz who are hoping that you can buy local, shop local. We'll speak to a behaviorist and psychologist about ways to keep a routine for your kids if they're staying home from school and as they get ready to stay home from school next week and for the weeks beyond that. We'll also hear what's happening in the United States and we'll try to lighten things up by talking about what's your favorite board game because as we look for things to do at home with the kids, one great way to spend time with the family is playing a board game. Or maybe not, depending on how angry you get. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Monday, March 16th podcast for The Start. You are listening to The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. There are now seven cases of COVID-19 in Manitoba. Right now, all appear to have some sort of link to travel. So we already know officials have said Canadians should avoid all non-essential travel outside of the country. Later today, we are expecting to hear from the Prime Minister on what other measures might be introduced in this fight against COVID-19. Trudeau has said all options are on the table, and that news conference is at noon our time, so we'll bring the very latest to you when we get it. That means a lot could change over the next few hours. But as Global's Eric Pandera explains, Manitoba health officials are stressing that the system is prepared. Three more people have tested positive for COVID-19 in Manitoba, including the first presumptive case outside of Winnipeg. That case is in the interlake. Despite the increased activity due to the virus, Manitoba's top doctor is reminding people not to panic. We know that in times like this, fear is also contagious, right? Fear is not going to help with COVID-19. I strongly discourage Manitobans from fear and panic buying. The province's chief nursing officer adds the health system is prepared if the number of cases grow. We have at least a few months of supply and we have more coming on the way. Officials say a screening center will open in Thompson Monday and others will soon open in rural and northern communities. Officials confirm that one of the new patients has recently traveled outside of the country. Dr. Rusin is advising people not to leave Canada. And he says there isn't currently any evidence indicating the spread of COVID-19 within the community. Almost all cases in Canada are somewhat related to travel. And so by uh, cancelling or postponing our international travel plans, we're limiting uh, the uh, importation of this virus. But people who do return from outside of Canada should self-isolate for 14 days. The situation is fluid and the province has not yet ordered the closure of daycares or a ban on large gatherings. But Dr. Rusin says meetings concerning next steps are ongoing. Overall, the message from health officials is to stay home if you're feeling sick, to avoid large crowds, to frequently wash hands, and to stay informed. Eric Pindera, Global News. So as you just heard in that story, there hasn't been a recommendation made to daycares as to whether or not they should also suspend operations. And while schools are open this week, we know there are many parents wondering if they should be sending their kids to school this morning. But Manitoba's Chief Provincial Public Health Officer, Dr. Brent Rusin, is reminding Manitobans that the risk to date is low. So schools will not be closed, classes will be suspended as of March 23rd. And this, again, is a, is a decision not made lightly. 
It's uh, balancing a number of issues, but ultimately it's to try to get ahead of this, uh, this virus uh, before we see widespread transmission in our communities. Right now, the risk remains relatively low, but we know that's going to increase with time. Our schools are safe. We have not seen evidence of community-based transmission. We certain, certainly have not seen evidence of cases in our schools. So our schools are safe. Uh, this is out of abundance of caution uh, and giving that week uh, to 10 days buffer before suspending classes, uh, we thought was a, was a great balance to give people a uh, time to prepare uh, for having the kids uh, uh, out of classes. Now, since Thursday, Manitoba has been giving daily updates on the coronavirus, including how many cases we've seen, how many people have been tested, and what other measures Manitoba might be considering. Those updates have typically come around 11. Yeah, and it's worth noting we did ask the education minister to come on with us this morning, and we're advised that, you know what, with the situation rapidly evolving, they're going to stick to those news conferences that they've been doing with the public health officials. But again, you know, we left here Friday. Friday at 11, they held a news conference where Dr. Brent Rusin said he wasn't recommending there be any school closures. And a few hours later, they made that announcement that they were going to suspend school for three weeks starting next Monday. And so that's how quickly it changes, right? And so what we know right now might be vastly different by this time tonight. And even over in Alberta, they've cancelled school indefinitely. Uh, here it's just uh, three weeks, right? Yeah, and they had actually said on, I believe it was late Friday or early Saturday when Manitoba made its announcements, people, of course, in other jurisdictions are saying, well, hang on, you know, so-and-so is doing this, what are we doing? And the Alberta health official said she really didn't think it was a good idea to close schools yet because she feared if they do it now, it might extend for a prolonged period. Well, 24 hours later, they, they announced that they are closing schools, and I think that's the big question for all of us. Will this go stick to those three weeks, or will we be seeing a lot more after this? Coming up after Global News at 6.30, we'll head back to Italy to speak with somebody who is in their quarantine area and find out how he's doing and how that situation has improved or gotten worse. And then at 6.45, we are going to lighten things up. We want to know, what's your favorite board game? Because we have a feeling you might be playing board games with your kids at some point in the next little while. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, much to discuss this morning on COVID-19, and we have many questions, and you're looking for answers, and we will get you as many answers as we can, including what's happening with the trucking industry. We'll have that conversation after Global News at 7 o'clock. But in this particular segment, this week and for the foreseeable future, we're going to try to keep it light because we all need a laugh, we all need ideas for things to do, and we want to talk about board games. Loren, you mentioned perfection. Here's the sound. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that ticking is so aggressive. I forgot it was like, that's making my heart beat that fast. Like, <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the bad thing with perfection is even though the clock was still going, you never, you knew that it was coming, but it was like, it was what, 60 seconds or 55 seconds, but it always went just a little bit before, just a little bit after. And every single time it was like a heart attack. So yeah, perfection. Fun game though. If you could beat it, oh, nothing worse. satisfying. I'm going to look to see if I can get that in the house. Looking now. So why don't we start with Jeff Fortier? I like trouble. Trouble. Do you remember that game? It had had the dice in the little popper, and but I, I didn't really like it for the game itself. I just like pressed the the popper. <laughs> <laughs> that was a super satisfying it thing was, to pop. Yeah, I know. It, like, I, I don't even remember how to play the game. I just like pressing the popper. I think actually the first time I finally played Trouble, I sort of thought because I had never played it as a kid. I always wanted it, but never got my hands on it. I don't think I played it until my twenties, and I thought, well, the popper is satisfying, but the game is kind of. 
I haven't played it since, since I was in elementary, so I don't remember anything about it except for the popper. Well, yeah. I, I have a couple of those at home. I'll bring it for you. I oh, hate nice. that noise. <laughs> yeah, like Perfection, that's one of the board games that parents would rather just not be in the house, that's right? That's right. But the, the number one for that, of course, is Hungry Hungry Hippos. Yeah. Oh, the loudest board game there possibly is. We love that until my youngest ate one of the marbles, and oh, then my. that was a real stressor. Oh, jeez. You have to wait for that to come out naturally, if you will. Ah, okay. <laughs> All right. Just well. put them in the backyard. Like the dog. <laughs> so he, he was okay, no choking or anything? Uh, no, it actually wasn't that funny. He started off with choking. Oh. And, <laughs> no, and, I had, and I flipped him over and had to do a whole thing. And then he just sort of stopped. It looked like he stopped breathing. I think he was just more scared because he was under two at the time. And then he just did this big, like, <gasps> and then I started crying and he started crying. And then I called Health Links and they said, You're just going to have to let that exit as <laughs> normal. Mackling, what about you? Favorite board game? Well, you know, you got to call Trouble the proper name for it, Jay. It's Popomatic Trouble. <laughs> Is that really what it's called? Yes. I thought it was just called Popomatic. <laughs> and so you got to call it by the, the correct and the, the marketing uh, terminology. And it's all pure luck, right, Brett? That's probably why you didn't like it. Is but to be fair, the game is called Trouble. Like, it's, if you look at, if you Google the game, it's just called Trouble. It has a little Popomatic thing above it. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of course. Anyway, um, I, I categories and Trivial Pursuit probably my two favorites. I think I've told the story of the year Trivial Pursuit came out. I think I got six copies of the game <laughs> because everybody thought, oh, it's perfect, perfect gift for Greg, and I ended up with uh, half a dozen of them. But I still like Trivial Pursuit. They've got modified versions so that you can play with the kids. They even have a new family edition one where there are different questions on the same cards depending on who's playing so you can really get together with the entire family and play it and uh just don't play monopoly too many fights over (laughs) (laughs) i I remember my older brother uh he he hadn't been married for very long and we were playing monopoly at my mom and dad's place and he stuffed a bunch of money under the board so he finally (laughs) convinces his new wife to say, he said, look, I don't, I don't have any money, so I can't put hotels on whatever it was he was buying, Ventnor or whatever. So then all of a sudden, he convinces her to sell her the proper, him the property, pulls out all this money and sticks hotels on it. Well, holy crows, the fight was on. My dad calmly gets out of his armchair, grabs the game, packs it up, puts it in the closet and says, that's it. We're not playing this here in this That's house awesome. for another two or three years. Uh, it's so funny when you start playing board games and how often someone's telling out, are you cheating and all the stuff that goes back and forth and yeah, you have to have I, such I finite will, rules. Like, I will not say, you cheating was polite for what was being <laughs> 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 um, the, the night the bronze played Pictionary was one of the three angriest times I've ever seen my father. Like, <laughs> he was just, it, was, it, was, it was like on The Simpsons when the Millhouse's parents were playing it. It was all oh, it was bad. We played that game exactly once, and it never came out of the closet really? again. Oh, yeah. There's, we had four people, and none of us could draw. <laughs> That's true. And everyone starts yelling because you're just like, what are you drawing? And, and it's, yeah, that one's bad for families. Let Brett? us know your favorite board games, 204-780-6868. My favorite would be Crokinole. Oh, but didn't uh, your fingers get sore? Oh, yeah. Well, sometimes my fingernails would be black because <laughs> I'm an aggressive flicker. Like, Brett smash Crokinole, but uh, hey, there is if you can smash that disc and nail it, it is very satisfying. We carry on with our discussion on COVID-19 as the Prime Minister will address the nation today 
after cabinet ministers met yesterday to discuss what else is needed to be done to further prevent the spread of COVID-19. Canada's top public health officer, Dr. Theresa Tam, said over the weekend that quick action was needed to prevent the outbreak and the outbreak's most damaging effects, adding that our window to flatten the curve, that's a term I think a lot of us have become familiar with over the weekend, flatten the curve of the epidemic is narrow. So what could further action look like? We will learn more at noon our time, but it's possible it could include stronger recommendations on travel or outings, even changes at the border, with Prime Minister Trudeau saying nothing is off the table. Terry Shaw is with the Manitoba Trucking Association. He joins us now. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, folks. You're... You're, for, before we do anything here, just want to send out a shout out. We have so many of our loyal listeners are truckers and they do an incredible job of keeping us in tune with what's going on in their world. And, and the trucking industry really is the linchpin of so many things right now, Terry. So, so thank you to all your members for what they're doing right now. Yeah, you bet. Uh, thanks to our drivers out on the road. Stay safe. I know Friday, Terry, you had written to the Premier just to address some of your concerns with what could be coming in terms of measures at the border. And that was in light of the fact that different jurisdictions like B.C. Uh, had mentioned that anyone coming back from the States should self-isolate, which obviously doesn't work for truckers who travel crisscross that border every single week or day. Uh, but the situation is so rapidly changing. What are some of your concerns now as we look, uh, you know, I, I can't look into the tea leaves too much, but what, what's top of mind for you? We just we need to keep um, the borders open, um, and by that I mean our our international over the road border. Um, we need supplies in, we need medicines in, we need food in, and in order to do that, we need truck drivers to be able to cross the border. Uh, they need to be able to do so safely, but they need to be able to do so um, you know um, reliably. Yeah, so we need to ensure that those over the road borders stay open to essential travel, and trucking certainly is that. In the event that the borders were to close, how how bad would that be? I can't even begin to imagine. Um, so we are working, I guess, maybe to ensure that that doesn't happen. I know New Brunswick over the weekend made an announcement declaring trucking essential travel publicly. Um, they are going to allow drivers to cross back and forth internationally uh, in the course of their work. Um, so again, international overseas travel, absolutely understand limiting that. Um, international non-essential travel, absolutely understand uh, limiting that. But international essential travel, um, as our truck drivers uh, are engaging in every day, that's something we need to really protect. Social distancing, flattening the curve. And then maybe, I think a lot of people know the word and the terminology supply chain, Terry, but the supply chain is what's really going to, to keep us all with food and medical supplies and all the necessities of life here. And, and trucking industry is right at the heart of that. Absolutely. And, and that's why we're pushing so hard to protect uh, keeping those borders open. Uh, social distancing, keeping our drivers safe, we absolutely understand that. We don't have a single member that hasn't taken precaution around their office staff, their maintenance staff, their driving staff. Everybody's taking the advice, the hand washing, the social distancing, all of that good stuff. That can be done while keeping the borders open because, as you mentioned, that supply chain is critical. It's critical not only to our way of life, but it is critical to our health and safety in bringing in the supplies we need, the foods we need, uh, the medicines we need. 
Terry, I just want to ask, and, and reminder to our listeners, that we don't know that there will be any changes at the border just yet. We know Trudeau is going to talk later today. That's one of those things that may be on the table in terms of some measures to be introduced. But I just want to gauge, what's what's the mood of the truckers that you've been speaking to, and how many phone calls are you getting just about this? Because industries everywhere are scrambling and have spent the past 48 hours trying to plan for the what-ifs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was a busy weekend, and it's uh, it's going to be a busy day today, I'm sure. Um, the biggest uh, challenge right now uh, everybody has is the uncertainty. Um, do I send my drivers out? Do I bring my drivers home? Uh, if I send them out, are they going to be able to get home? So, again, I think people, when they are out on the road, I'm pretty confident that they are operating safely. And by that, I mean, again, taking in uh, the current health protocols. Um, So what we need is some certainty or some relative certainty around, you know, our ability to continue doing our job, um, keeping that supply chain open and moving. Uh, And so we're hoping to hear more today. All right, Terry Shaw, Manitoba Trucking Association, joining us live. Greg, do you have any more questions before we let Terry go? No, I just want to reiterate, we've been applauding the medical workers and frontline workers and those working in retail and those working at grocery stores. And uh, yeah, we don't need to remind anybody, but we really do need to send a, a, a debt of gratitude to the truck drivers who are out there who are working. They're away from their families in this unpredictable time, this unprecedented time. And uh, just, I really want to, uh, I can't state it enough how appreciative we all are of, of what uh, this industry and those involved in it are doing right now. Agreed, and we thank you guys for the support. All right, Terry, what is it you guys say if you bought it, a truck brought it? I hear you, yep. All right, Terry Shaw, Manitoba Trucking Association, joining us live on CJOB. Terry, thank you for this. 713 on 680 CJOB. Keep those texts coming on your favorite board games because as we navigate today's another crazy day of headlines, we do want to have some fun and give you some ideas and stuff to do, especially if you're not sending your kids to school. And that's the question of the day at cjob.com, brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Are you sending your kids to school this week? Cast your vote at cjob.com. We've also put that poll up on Facebook, on Twitter at 680CJOB, and on our Instagram story. We would love for you to follow us there. We're almost at 6,000 followers on Instagram, so if you don't follow us there yet, please do so. That would be fun. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we know there are many parents out there this morning who have spent the entire weekend contemplating whether or not they should send their kids to school, Greg. Yeah, and schools are open this week. Classes won't temporarily be suspended until next Monday. And Manitoba's Chief Public Health Officer, Dr. Brent Rusin, repeated over the weekend that the risk to Manitobans remains relatively low. Right now, the risk remains relatively low, but we know that's going to increase with time. Our schools are safe. We have not seen evidence of community-based transmission. We certainly have not seen evidence of cases in our schools. So our schools are safe. Uh, This is out of abundance of caution. uh, And giving that week uh, to 10 days buffer before suspending classes, uh, we thought was a a great balance to give people a uh, time to prepare uh, for having the kids uh, uh, out of classes. That doesn't mean, of course, that schools aren't taking additional steps. Last night, the Louis Riel School Division, which kind of encompasses schools in the St. Vital area, sent out a note to parents. It's not only asking parents to not send their kids to school if they have any cold or flu-like symptoms. It's actually asking bus drivers to do some sort of screening. It's asking the bus 
kids to get on the bus. The bus driver, as they board, will ask the kids and take a look at them to see if they have any flu-like symptoms. And if they do, they won't be allowed to board the bus. Christian Michalik is the superintendent of the Louis Riel School Division and joins us now. Good morning, Christian. Good morning. I know these are different times. There are some folks out there that might say we're putting too much pressure on these bus drivers to essentially screen these kids before they get on. Well, um, essentially the reason for the uh, the change in practice is, uh, is because over the weekend, uh, uh, staff, transportation staff, were expressing concerns for everyone's safety given the close proximity on buses and... Um, and we felt it then important to uh, provide people with a sense of agency. And uh, my hope is that the most important message that went out to parents yesterday um, in big, bold letters was uh, uh, we really need to be vigilant. And if a child, a, a young person is displaying cold or flu-like symptoms, they sh- you should be making plans to have them uh, not come to school. No, but what so, Christian, go ahead, Greg. Yeah, so Christian, this is going to change a little bit the the way people are supposed to get their kids onto the bus. Can you explain the, that part of the procedure for us? Well, we were simply asking the adults that uh, will uh, accompany the youngest children to the bus stop. That's always been the practice. Um, be remain present until the bus leaves, uh, so that um, if for a very regrettable reason a, a child does appear to have cold or flu-like symptoms as adults at the bus stop we can we can see what we can do to look after each other but ultimately if a child um, has no means to get home from the bus stop uh, we'll have that child board the bus but we'll take measures to make sure we keep the child a safe distance away from everyone and uh, and ensure once we we have the bus arrive at school, that, uh, that school officials are looking after the child who really should be home uh, and not at school. But so with the bus drivers and now having to, to sort of take this responsibility, I mean, they're not trained medical professionals no more than I am. I mean, who, who would I be to say, you know what, you're, you, you're not getting on this bus today? That's right. So it really is about just giving... Uh, bus drivers and adults a sense of uh, control, a sense of agency. We're, so we're not expecting bus drivers to make a medical uh, assessment. Uh, but we're trying to have bus drivers engage in community with, uh, with those uh, who uh, present at the bus stop and, uh, and give them a sense of safety and security. Again, it's all about the heightened sensitivity right now, concern being expressed by parents, by staff, by children, by young people, and, uh, and the protocol is simply meant to provide some common sense um, agency um, control for everyone. With these additional steps being taken, Christian, mm-hmm. is there any part of you that just wishes that the province had said schools are closed this week rather than have this layer having to be adding it on to what you're doing today? Uh, no, actually, uh, you know, I'm going to be busy. I was busy all weekend, and I'm going to be busy all day today and through the week, actually planning for uh, that uh, very uh, significant uh, change to our uh, patterns of behavior. We're, we're going to be canceling classes for uh, two additional weeks, and uh, and 
that's what we know for now. Um, so, no, I, I applaud the province for taking uh, a measured approach. Again, but it's, it's complicated. We're having to provide many different messages to our community uh, that we need to heighten our concern, but that we don't want to uh, be overly concerned about uh, the spread of the virus at the moment. It's, it's about taking measured steps towards uh, uh, progressively uh, taking steps to mitigate the spread of the virus. Christian Michalik is the superintendent of the Louis Riel School Division, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Christian, thank you very much for the time, sir. Much appreciated. Thank you. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Text message at 204-780-6868 with many kids likely not going to be going to school this week, even though schools don't officially close until next week. We're looking for ideas on how to pass the time, one of those questions, and we'll be doing that a lot this week. But today, the question was, what's your favorite board game? And Cindy says, we've been playing King's Cribbage for years. Mm. Our friends all got turned on to it as well. It is so fun, as long as you know how to play crib. It's a cross between crib and scrabble. You put crib heads down in tiles on a board. Very challenging and different every time. Yeah, I've played. My in-laws do that, and it's a ton of fun. And it then allows because crib, crib, you know, it can be kind of. It's a two. You can play four people, but it it's generally played with two people, so it allows more people to get in on it. And then the board's bigger, and so you can have people chirping from the outside. You know, <laughs> like uh, like fans. Really? Ooh, what are you doing with that ten? <laughs> You sure you want to lay down a five like that? I don't know. Keep those texts coming at 204-780-6868. We'll sprinkle some of them throughout the show here. But right now, every single hour, the list of closures in Manitoba grows. Over the weekend, the city of Winnipeg said it was temporarily closing all pools, libraries, and recreation centers. Then this morning, we saw an email from the gym, Good Life Fitness, about its temporary closure. Ahead of what's usually its busiest day of the year, St. Patrick's Day, the King's Head Pub in the Exchange said it will be closing April 2nd with a letter from its owner saying it it was with a heavy heart that they did it, but it takes its role on social responsibility really seriously. And we know we've been saying this, we've been predicting this, but every day there's something new and we know it's going to have a huge hit on the economy as we all consider changing our habits. And the downtown biz, of course, is trying to figure out a way to help. Kate Fenske is the CEO of the Downtown Biz. She joins us now. Good morning, Kate. Good morning. We are thinking of, of course, so many independent business who operate downtown. And uh, the King's Head, just one example of an organization that uh, people would be heading down to and celebrating St. Patrick's Day with today. But uh, obviously, a ton of your members concerned about what's up for them. What, what can we do as this pandemic involves to, to help smaller business, to help local business in the downtown? It, it really is a challenge, you know, not only for businesses, but we're hearing about stories um, in all sorts of sectors. And when we're talking about small business, uh, specifically downtown, one of the biggest challenges, you know, the primary customer base really is those 70,000 workers that are in the towers that are working downtown. And so as we're, we're trying to follow the Manitoba public health guidelines as a community, trying to keep the vulnerable safe, um, you know, more and more people um, who are able to are working from home. So that's taking out a big customer base. And when you're looking at a small business, often you're really looking, you know, what are the, what's the bottom line this week? How are we going to make month end? Um, and looking at rent. And so, 
you know, we're working together and trying to see what can we do in a safe way. So, you know, if you can order from your local shop online or call them up uh, over the phone, maybe there's some things that you would get regularly from them. Uh, and, and it's not about stocking up, but but it's about finding different ways that we can support them. We know a lot of people have been ordering takeout and delivery. And, and I know a lot of the delivery services are now finding ways uh, to protect both people at home and the delivery drivers. You can um, leave the order outside and they'll text you when it arrives. And really one of the easiest things is to purchase gift cards at, at local businesses downtown um, that you may be using later because it's how are we going to come out of this when we do as we work through this as a community, um, what happens on the other side of it. So when we look forward, and I don't use look forward as in, and as in we're looking forward to this, as we look ahead to, you know, different closures uh, in the hours ahead, weeks ahead, all the rest, the different decisions people will have to make, Kate, um, what is the top of mind for business owners? Like, what is the, how many are close enough as it is as a small business to potentially not being able to reopen, let alone adding this coronavirus to the equation? Because you mentioned the margins are pretty tight already for so many small businesses. Yeah, and downtown businesses, you know, face a lot of um, disadvantages um, that big box retailers and, and shops in other commercial districts wouldn't regularly face. We've talked about the parking before. Um, you know, budget delegations are still happening at City Hall as of this time right now, and that's one thing that we've been fighting for for our downtown businesses to adjust that. And, and I think... When you know the conversations that I've been having with our members, it really is trying to make the decisions of how do we protect our staff, how do we support our staff, how do we do what's right for our customers. Um, so over the weekend, you know, on Saturday, it was starting the moves of spacing out tables, um, not filling reusable coffee cups uh, at coffee shops, things like that. And I think we're seeing a shift. Like you mentioned, things are changing daily and even by the hour. Um, and now they're faced this week, you know, should we close? Um, are there things, can we still manage delivery for the restaurants? And really, it's trying to make those tough calls and still worrying about what's going to happen next week and the week after and what are we going to do. And so we'd also encourage, you know, if there's options for landlords to look at cutting breaks uh, for small businesses for the rent, just being a little bit more flexible right now as I think we try to figure this out and navigate it as a community. And as you mentioned, many businesses are going to be contemplating whether or not they should stay open or stay closed. But as a consumer who wants to support a local business, uh, it might be hard to sort of stay on top of where do I, how do I find out if that business is even open? So is there like, will you be sort of keeping a list of businesses that are going to stay open during these tough times? Yeah, our goal really is to share information right now, both with our businesses, but also um, people that want to be downtown um, or have to be downtown. You know, we've got people that are mandated. And so it's really trying to figure that out together. All right, Kate Fenske, CEO of Downtown Biz. We wish you well. We were talking about trucking an hour ago and the trucking industry and the impacts there. And we know uh, as the daughter of a small business owner, I get it, Kate. These are going to be hard times, challenging times ahead. Exactly. You know, my dad started a video store in 1992. Um, uh, we lost him a few years ago. But it was every night it was trying to do cash flow. Uh, we didn't go on family vacations. It really was trying to make that work through the weekend. When you look at small businesses, you know, it, it, the economy, the industries change all the time. There's always a new challenge. For him, it was, you know, Netflix and streaming video and having to adapt to that and deciding when to close. And so we just want to be there to support local businesses however we can right now. Downtown Winnipeg Biz CEO Kate Fenske joining us live on CJOB. Kate, thank you very much for this. 813 on 680 CJOB. And again, yeah, the King's Head closing. We saw that. Uh, the tallest poppy, another restaurant. That's not in downtown. It's on Sherbrooke. They're closing their front of house, but they're going to be remain open for takeout orders. And if you want to order on DoorDash, 
Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'll have to look at, I mean, there are a whole bunch of restaurants downtown that I've always wanted to try, mm-hmm. and especially as we get ready to move downtown to 201 Portage next week. Well, <laughs> I guess we'll see if we'll be working downtown. Mm-hmm. Some of us will be. I think, you know, I think it's funny how we have to pause because, like, we keep saying it. So everything is so evolving. But maybe this is an opportunity to try things that you haven't normally tried or spread your wings uh with your, with your palate. Ah, spread the wings of your palate. Spread the wings of your palate and order out <laughs> from someplace that you maybe haven't before, right? That, that's an easy thing to do for restaurants. The gift cards is a great idea. If you have a birthday coming up for someone, buy the card now. Of course, as we monitor the COVID-19 situation around the world and in our own country, the U.S. continues to prepare, it would seem, for a similar course of events as we are here in Canada There have been criticisms directed, I think, to all countries around the world, starting with China, where this all began, and their response to the the spread of the COVID-19 virus. The United States has not been immune from those criticisms. Reggie Cicchini joins us from Washington, D.C. Reggie, those long lineups at airports, Chicago, Washington, uh, those were the two airports I saw video and pictures from. What was the cause of that? Well, according to administration officials, uh, they said that the cause was simply that measures that were put in place weren't put in place quick enough and that there were miscommunications that took place with inside uh, the airports. But at the end of the day here, uh, this was an administration policy that was rolled out very quickly to these 13 airports across the U.S. And as the administration wants to play blame on airport officials, airport officials are going to say, you put us in this situation. So again, it kind of mimics and pushes that narrative of miscommunication communications that are coming right from the very top levels of the government in the U.S. And kind of like in Canada, where we have different provinces doing different things, we have different states who've enacted different measures. And one of the ones we noticed over the weekend was some, I think Ohio might be the latest on the list, telling bars to close, restaurants to close, that sort of thing, Reggie. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of, uh, it's mimicking that message that the Centers for Disease Control put out on Sunday night, essentially recommending that Americans no longer gather in mass areas that have more than 50 people. But you're right, this kind of lack of a federal guideline and leaving it up to both state and even local governments to implement these kind of measures to uh, to kind of put in place a, a social distancing of, uh, of style. Uh, you're right with Ohio. New York's uh, mayor, Bill de Blasio, is uh, about to or just has signed a bill that it's going to stop restaurants from allowing people inside. Bars are going to close. Theaters are closing. Uh, restaurants are really only going to become takeout only. But contrast that with here in the District of Columbia, where uh, restaurants are saying that as long as you have less than 250 people inside, you can stay open and your tables have to be spaced six feet apart and no more than six people at a table. It's a very different uh, kind of message being put across by the governments, depending on which state you're in, which leads to more confusion. There's still concerns over the number of tests available. Absolutely, there are. I mean, look, for weeks now, we've been hearing uh, Health and Human Services uh, Secretary Azar and the Vice President say that, quote unquote, millions of test kits are going to be made available across the country. Uh, That was weeks ago, and it's now weeks later, and we are still looking at a significant uh, decrease in the number of tests being done compared to countries around the world, compared to even places like Ontario and B.C., which in some cases are testing more people than the entire country of the United States. Now, we've been told by the Coronavirus Task Force that millions of test kits 
are going to be made available in the next couple of weeks. But I think that puts uh, intense measures on local and state governments to ensure that this social distancing uh, is put in place. Because if you're not testing people, the only way you're going to stop or prevent any kind of spread of virus is to simply keep people away from each other. Uh, so until we get that kind of testing put in place or more of these kind of quote unquote drive through testing sites put in place, uh, this is a very volatile and fragile uh, uh, situation in the U.S. Reggie, big concern for hourly workers uh, all around the world and the idea that missing out on paychecks and, and time at work is going to cause some economic hardship without question. We're seeing what the markets are doing, but uh, mom and pop organizations, small and medium sized businesses are the lifeblood of the Canadian and the American economies. Congress came together to pass a, a bill that's on its way to the Senate. Where do things stand on the legislation to, to help people out financially uh, with their, with their day to day expenses and, and businesses as well? Yeah, I mean, look, the House passed a bill late last week. It was very late Friday into Saturday morning that this bill was passed. And what it did was open up billions of dollars that are going to be available for aid. The problem is there was a compromise with both uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin and therefore the White House that was going to kind of eat into what is going to be allowed to uh, kind of look for some kind of payment back. And inside that document, it shows that there are almost 80% of employees across the United States, particularly those working with big organizations like McDonald's or Walmart or Amazon that will not be able to uh, kind of ask for some kind of uh, additional handout or some kind of uh, extra help when it comes to to payment that coming from, uh, you know, a compromise with the White House. But that said, I mean, this bill now has to make its way through the Senate. They went home for a long weekend. This now is going to lie in the hands of Mitch McConnell. And if it does not hand uh, if it does not pass, rather, or at least make its way to a vote, because we know McConnell has been holding off on many bills, uh, this is going to become a Republican problem going forward and a potential problem for the president. So there is a concerted effort now to get lawmakers to get back to their desks in D.C. and get this bill signed because it really and truly is going to be that last step that Americans have to get any kind of financial handout, particularly, as you mentioned, the markets continue to tank this morning. Yeah, TSX and the uh, Dow, I think they've halted the trading there for the third time in a week because of just that mass sell-off we've been seeing as a result of oil and the coronavirus. You just mentioned the politics at play here. Before we let you go, Reggie, I was watching CNN last uh, night and they had the alert coming on saying that the Democratic debate was upcoming and it really stood out to me with this wall-to-wall coronavirus coverage that we were still talking about election. Has the pandemic affected the process of the Democratic um, primaries and everything else? Yeah, I mean, look, this virus is taking a toll on the U.S. as a whole. Last night, you know, if anybody was watching it, that debate took place with no audience, and both people, uh, Biden and, and and Bernie Sanders, stood six feet apart on the stage. Uh, that was one part of this. But, I mean, look, Georgia has canceled their elections going forward. There are states in the South that have canceled their primary elections and postponed them to later dates simply because you can't have that many people in and around each other as uh, as this virus is still in its technically very early stages in the U.S. So this is going to have a drastic impact as to how this electoral process is going to play out over the course of the year and uh, how scrambled things are going to be later on this summer as we get into the convention season if primaries still haven't even taken place yet. So this, again, as we said, it's volatile, it's fragile, and there are still a lot of unknowns when it comes to this virus. Global's Reggie Giacchini joining us live on 680 CJOB. Reggie, thank you as always, sir. Thank you. Now, you may have seen uh, the scenes uh, across your television on the Internet of 
of airports in the United States yesterday as Americans were scrambling to get home. We've been telling you the story about the the Winnipegger who uh, made the painful, very painful decision financially indeed to come home from Spain. Massive lineups at O'Hare Airport in Chicago, Dallas Airport in Washington and hundreds, if not thousands, of people waiting for screening as they arrived home. Now, Canadians, as we've been saying, have been scrambling to get home themselves, as the Canadian government yesterday told our citizens who may be abroad to get home, quote, while you can, as airlines have started eliminating flight options. On Friday night, a plane load of Winnipeggers made their way home from Las Vegas. Dr. Kirsten Wirth, a regular contributor to our program, was among those on a WestJet flight, which landed in Winnipeg on Friday. Her family has made the decision to self-isolate pardon me, for the next 14 days. Dr. Wirth joins us this morning. Good morning, Kirsten. Good morning. So uh, when you arrived on Friday night, what did you encounter at the airport versus what you expected to see and to deal with? <laughs> I expected there to be screening. I expected there to be some kind of announcement um, and instructions to people that they should at least consider self-isolating. And basically, there was nothing. There was one little screen kind of off to the side that said, if you have symptoms of COVID-19, that you should self-isolate for 14 days but that was it. And most of the people on our flight were not paying attention to what was going on in the world because it was Vegas. <laughs> and so um, we ended up informing a bunch of people about what had been going on and that we were going to be self-isolating when we got home. And they were shocked at how quickly everything had developed. Yeah, we've been saying it's been almost uh, dizzying, the developments that have come over the last 48 hours, the last 72 hours. Now, Kirsten, you were supposed to come home Sunday, I think, if I have that right, but you, yeah, came, we were, you came home early. Yeah, we were supposed to arrive like midnight last night. Um, I arrived in Vegas on Wednesday, and a few days before, we were debating, should we cancel, should we go? And we thought, ah, you know, it seems like it's not that bad. Every, You know, things are okay in the States and Canada. And so we got there Wednesday night, went out, and, you know, we're like, oh, we'll, we'll do the big night tomorrow night. And then the next, which was Thursday, it was Thursday we were like, let's stay in. You know, like it just seems we're kind of tired. We heard late at night that clubs and shows were getting shut down, which was a bit scary because it's Vegas, and I don't think that ever happens. And uh, Friday morning, we booked a flight to come home. We couldn't get through to WestJet at all and still can't, haven't been able to, to cancel our flight. So you just, like, bought uh, a brand new flight home? Yeah, we we jumped on a swoop flight that was luckily leaving Friday midday. And uh, we were happy to get on it. Now, before we pass it over to Greg once more, which hotel were you staying at? We were staying at the Mirage. And we learned within about a day and a half that somebody had come from New York a few days before to attend a conference. And she ended up testing positive for COVID and went back home. And they were isolating that room in our hotel and sent home several staff. Yeah, because um, uh, the last day. Yeah, because MGM is uh, they've closed all of their casinos and resorts. Wynn uh, also doing the same thing. So Vegas... Uh, uh, the, the the I can't imagine Vegas being a quiet place, but it looks like that's happening as well. It was already kind of creepy by the time we were leaving because normally the sidewalks are very full of pedestrians and 
there was tons of cars. They can barely get through. And it was really clear. And I've never seen that. So, Kirsten, you've decided to, to self-isolate. What's brought on that decision? And, and tell us about your experience with trying to connect with health links. Well, firstly, we were following all of the news reports really closely. And all of the recommendations have been if you're traveling from outside of sorry, Canada, um, that you should be self-isolating for 14 days. So, And that's been clear across like World Health Organization, Trudeau made the announcement the day we were flying. Um, so we decided right off the bat that just to protect other people, just in case, we should be staying at home. And then because we were staying at home, we thought it didn't make sense to send our kids to school because if we were, if we had anything, then we'd be sending them with it to contact other people. So we decided to stay at home because of that. Um, Steve and I have both been coughing a little bit over the last few days, which ordinarily wouldn't be a concern, but of course now it is. So I've been calling health links for two days and it's just a busy signal. It doesn't even ring through? No, not at all. I just keep call back, call back, call back, call back, and it's just just busy. So we've been talking about the challenge of you know, just preparing for the next couple of weeks with our kids home. And now you're home with your kids a week earlier than expected. You're not feeling well. You're trying to get through the layers of stress. there are huge. You also happen to be a psychologist in behaviors. So <laughs> do you have advice for yourself and for the rest of us to try to get through <laughs> these challenging times? Yes. Uh, I think something that is really important for everybody is just try to, to normalize your day. So we actually structured our day and put together a little schedule. And there has been some schedules circulating on Facebook and things like that. But um, so we have our, a daily routine with times associated that we're all going to follow where there's, you know, the time to have breakfast, make lunches and tidy up from 8 to 9. From 9 to 11, we're going to work and set up the kids with some schoolwork. And I've been saving different um, activities on Facebook that people are posting. Different, There's so many different like zoos and museums and things like that that people are um, sending that there's online resources. And then, you know, we've got our exercise time a couple of times a day, some free time. So we have it all structured and we're going to try to follow it so that we don't go crazy just kind of sitting around. Because this isn't like summer vacation because we're not going out. We're staying together, just the four of us, not contacting other people. Yeah, well, and one of the questions we've been asking this morning, Kirsten, is what's your favorite board game? Because that could be a way to help pass the time as a family. So why don't we ask you, what's your favorite board game? (laughs) We have Monopoly set up right now. We've been playing it off and on for the last couple of days already, the Cheaters Edition. So that's (laughs) been kind of fun. (laughs) The Cheaters Edition? Yeah. What's that? It, um, it's a little bit different from regular Monopoly. They have uh, five spaces for cards that you can put out where it gives you specific cheats you can do. And if no one catches you, then you get the bonus on the back. So, for example, one says short change. So if you owe another player change, you just secretly give them less. And if you got away with it, then you get to an extra 100 bucks from the bank. And if you got caught, you have to give all the money back and go to jail. <laughs> I don't know about in your house, Kirsten, but when we play Monopoly in our house, we quickly went from this phase where you, with the board games, you let the kids win in the beginning to all of a sudden they're just beating us all the time. So who's the champ? Who's the reigning champ? Uh, I seem to be a little bit ahead right now. <laughs> 
we don't we don't uh, do the whole you know let our kids win them, but they're pretty good quite honestly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We, when they were little, you used to try to encourage them, so you'd let them win some games. And now I'm losing even in Connect Four. I lost the other day to a seven year old. It was I was ashamed of myself. <laughs> I was like, I'm not. I am legitimately trying, kid, and you were beating me. So, you know, we got to find our laughs somewhere, and we have to find ways to entertain ourselves too, Kirsten. Absolutely. I think the other thing that people should try to do is because we are such social animals, and social connection is so so important that we have to make sure that we're trying to find different ways to connect socially on a regular basis, so that we don't feel so isolated. So Skype might be a good opportunity or FaceTime or different ways to be regularly taking breaks and connecting with people. As opposed to just staring at your screen and consuming mass amounts of information and scrolling (laughs) through Twitter and Facebook and that sort of thing, actually engaging in some conversations with people outside of the house and, and maybe face to face to see somebody else's smile or maybe to bring a smile to their face. Exactly. That's great advice. Kirsten, uh, thank you for this. You're welcome. Have a good day. Dr. Kirsten Worth joining us live on 680 CJOB, a regular contributor to our show. She just got back last week from Las Vegas. And as she said, as a psychologist and behaviorist, it's a good thing to stay connected. Just the idea of me going home to, like, you guys have kids, you have your family, so if you have to work from home, okay. But it's just me. I would go insane if I was... If I had to just stay home. Well, we'll be monitoring your behavior then over the next few weeks. And for Chase, who I just noticed doesn't even have like a large size cereal cereal box. He's got those kid packages. (laughs) Hey, it's adult cereal. This is special, (laughs) Kate. I just had Raisin Bran. (laughs) You've had two bowls of cereal? I've got four. Oh, man. Are you going to eat all four bowls of cereal this morning? I don't know. We're about to find out, aren't we? <laughs> Don't get crazy, Jeff. Don't get crazy. Raisin Bran is a dangerous cereal to be eating if you're locked in a control room for eight hours or four days, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but we've got training later on. So. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.